Welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange Podcast. Stories by leaders for leaders to help you raise the bar on your own excellence to release the potential inside of you. Now, here's today's podcast. This is Hugh Blue, Russell Dennis, co hosting this episode of the Nonprofit Exchange. Hello, Russ. Well, good. Happy Halloween. Good to yes. see you both. As we're recording this, it is Halloween in 2017. You might be listening to this in another century. Um, We're creating episodes for posterity. Russ, uh, we've been on this journey for quite a while. Thank you for hanging in there, being my co-host on on these important episodes. Always a pleasure to meet so many interesting people like Gio, who's here to talk to us today about marketing. And a lot of nonprofits don't think they have to do that, but you got to get your message out. Oh, man, you, you spoil a surprise. We're going to yeah. surprise him. Well, I might as well just hang up now. <laughs> Gio, Gio Ropert, uh, welcome to the Nonprofit Exchange. Thank you, Hugh. It's a pleasure to be here. I certainly am honored that you asked me to join you, and uh, I'm really looking forward to this today. Great. Well, we, um, I looked at your resume, and uh, you've been holding out on me. You told me all that good stuff. So we, we generally start out asking people to talk about themselves. So just in a little snapshot, the things that are related to PR and marketing, and then I want you to, after you talk about yourself, you know, what, what's your, your background in this really, uh, comp- for those of us that don't know it, it's complex, uh, what's your background and what's gotten you here? And then after you do that, distinguish between PR in marketing, I know I know people confuse marketing and sales, but they also confuse PR marketing, and then don't know where sales fits. So if you'd sort that out, but first, um, give us a snapshot about Geo. Well, I am uh, 20 plus years in the public relations and integrated marketing communication field, mm. and we'll talk a little bit more about that as you had asked. Um, I am accredited in public relations, which means I hold a national certification that um, less than 10% of PR professionals throughout the country have. Uh, I have won awards for my work, and I have been, uh, it really is my passion. I, I love to communicate. I love to help businesses and organizations share their message uh, across platforms, uh, everything from traditional to the new digital and social. And I work especially with, uh, with businesses and nonprofits to, to really help them be able to tell their story and uh, for them to be the ones that people pay attention to uh, when they speak, when they, when they produce content, when they get out there to their audiences. Uh, I have worked in a nonprofit field. I've got probably a little more than uh, 10 years working exclusively for nonprofits. Uh, both 501c3 and 501c6 organizations, and uh, and so I've spent a lot of time really uh, in the trenches with uh, with those communities, and have learned a lot, and have really been able to translate translate that knowledge uh, to help out organizations and especially nonprofits. That's where my passion lies is is helping those folks be able to uh, to engage their audiences, gain the support and the, the resources they need so that they can do the good work that they do. Uh, if you want to talk about public relations and marketing, while they are similar, they are very different in the sense that public relations really has to deal with the uh, side of, of a business 
that is the brand. It's the storytelling. It's the reputation building. It's the work that is done to create buzz, if you will, to create information and knowledge. Uh, it's meant to educate and inform audiences so that they can understand what a business is, what they stand for, their mission, their vision, their values, their culture. All of those things are public relations. Marketing on the other side is a, is a staff function that is really about the promotion of products and services that the company has. So if you're talking about selling widgets or if you're talking about uh, having an organization that helps feed hungry children or protects kids from, from danger, uh, these are the things that, uh, that marketing does. It's getting out the, the word on those products and services. So they, they work together intimately, uh, but in most cases, people see that as, uh, as different. But I've been working in the realm where my belief is and the industry has been changing to more or less meld those two together because it really is all about communication. And the way we communicate today really kind of sometimes blurs the lines, but it is, uh, it's effective in both of its aspects. Well, actually, you need to have a good public image or your marketing is not oh, going to be very helpful. Yeah. Um, if you have no, if your reputation is shot, you could have the best products in the world. Nobody's going to buy them. Well, and people also confuse sales and marketing. Sales is another animal. Do you want to give us a, a soundbite about what's different about sales? Well, sales is the end process. That is what the marketing and uh, is is geared to do is to make people aware of what those products and services are, the benefits that they have for them. And then sales is really the close. That's where all the process of engaging, interesting, uh, getting clients to pay attention and then come to your website or make that phone call to your business. Uh, everything then is left to the, the folks in sales to close that deal. So we're going to focus on the marketing piece. And we've had um, other experts on this series over the years. Um, Cheryl Snap Connor owns a large PR agency in Salt Lake City, um, was here several months ago, and um, is very eloquent about her field of, of PR, doing press releases and you know, getting, getting that image out there. So the, the niche that's marketing, that's moving people toward understanding why they need a good goods and services. So charities aren't in business for selling things. So why I'm using the word charity instead of nonprofit for this conversation. So why would a charity need to even think about marketing? Because there are, let's see, how many were there, if I can remember correctly, uh, over a million public charities in the United States alone. Those are a lot of voices out there, each vying for the attention. Four million. Four million. Five oh five oh one somethings and government. Oh. There's there's lots of and churches. There's lots of variances. Right, right. I, I'm sorry. I had I had a, a million uh, public charities. Yeah, you're okay. right about the, the four million. And and so you know, and everyone is clamoring for the attention, the the pocketbooks of folks who can support their causes. And as much as it has, each of them are involved in very important and, and very worthwhile endeavors, uh, there's a limited pie out there of funds and resources that are available. And so the ones who can tell their story the best, who can communicate with their audiences most effectively, 
are the ones that are going to succeed and be able to advance their causes, uh, where the others are basically struggling. And I think we see more of the, the majority struggling than those we do being successful. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, so there's a fallacy out there, and it's exposed in Dan Pilata's TED Talk. Um, the way we think about charity is dead wrong, and then he has, has a book to follow that up. But uh, the TED Talk says the fallacy is that, that nonprofits, he says charities, cannot spend money on marketing. That's taboo. And I believe, Russell, we don't agree with that, do we? I disagree completely because, you know, a lot of people in nonprofits, especially if you're talking about a social worker or a teacher, have difficulty talking about the value that their organization provides. And it's a value proposition. And uh, a lot of people look at it as bragging when, in fact, it's just telling people that you're doing good work. And so marketing is important. Uh, and a thought just crossed my mind. I came up with a, with a question because I know that reputation management and getting the word out there about what you're doing are, are separate but melded together. Uh, but I was wondering what Gio thought is the right balance between PR and marketing. I think if you're, if you're looking for a balance, you really want to integrate them both effectively. I don't think you, uh, you put one on top of the other in the sense that, uh, of course, you have, to, you have to have your brand identity established and, and visible and strong. People need to recognize it, know what you do, who you are, what you stand for, uh, what you do to benefit the community. And, uh, and so that really is the, the telling of the story if you want to in PR. In marketing, it's it's telling people exactly what you do, why it's important that they support your cause. Uh, you've got, you know, you say, well, we don't have products or services. Well, most do. They have some type of service. Um, they provide some type of, of whether that be support or education or advocacy. Uh, all of those things really fall into the, the marketing side of it. And with a lot of nonprofits. You're right. They talk about marketing and PR and spending money on it as a taboo thing, that it's not something that they should do. But I, I agree. It's completely the, the wrong idea to have because unless you're spending money on your voice and getting your message across to people, again, you're going to be one of the majority that are having a huge amount of trouble keeping your funding sources alive, keeping your organization alive. And, and so that's one of the, the problems I see, you know, a lot of, and what I also see is that many nonprofits, and I can't tell you how many times a month I get approached by organizations that want to, want to get support, uh, but they're not able or willing to pay for it. They expect to have it for free, um, pro bono services. Now, while I, I do believe in helping my community and I do select an organization every year that I work with sometimes intensely, uh, unfortunately, bills to pay uh, <laughs> and have to be able to afford to, to keep the business running. And so getting them to understand the value of, of PR marketing and marketing especially is, is sometimes the hardest thing to do. But once they can really grasp that, and that comes from the leadership on down, the, the executives, the boards of directors, once they can understand that 
you put money into marketing is going to have a return on that investment and is going to grow the donor base, is growing to grow the support base. And they can see that then it starts to make more sense to them and they're more willing to invest in, in actual professional services, if not investing in the, the tools and software that are able to accomplish that. Well, Gio, what's, a, what's a, um, an appropriate amount, you know, as far as a percentage? Is there, is there any kind of benchmark? Because you, you mentioned something that triggered this, that um, we use the word nonprofit and we go into this scarcity thinking um, that we can't pay for anything. Like we can't pay good salaries. Like we can't pay for services. Like we can't allot money to marketing. We can't spend money talking about the, uh, the goods and services, that, the good that we do, the impact. Um, that's what's going to drive sales. Sales is donation. Sales is for churches, synagogues. It's evangelism. It's growing your numbers in the 501 C6s, the membership organizations. And so there's a whole, there's a whole, why is it important? What's the impact of our work? And so we're, we're telling a story. So go back to this. You started uh, exploring about stories a while ago. And that's, where does that fit? And then there's two questions in here. How, how do you figure out what's an appropriate amount to designate in your budget to marketing? And then what kind of information do you want to, you can't tell people everything. So you got a limited budget, but if you grow the revenue, then you can grow that marketing budget in tandem with that. So how do you, how do you decide what to market is basically the bottom line, how much to spend and what's the story you're going to tell? Right. Well, you know, there was, according to the numbers I've seen out there, there was about almost 400 billion given to charities uh, last year alone. And of that, we would expect as a business does to spend a minimum of 10% at least on their marketing efforts. Mm -hmm. So you could figure that, you know, is about $39 billion that were to go out to help communicate that story, that message. Now that can fluctuate anywhere from, you know, on the low end, maybe 5% on the high end. Some of them are, are spending up to 15%. If you look at, at charitable organizations and the nonprofit organizations, the 501 C sixes and what they do, the, the good ones is they tell a consistent story that resonates. They have a mission, they, they focus on the mission in their campaigns, uh, in their public relations and in their marketing campaigns uh, with a message that is singular and strong. You could have an organization, maybe you do three or four different things, but your main mission needs to be conveyed and it needs to be clear. What happens is oftentimes people say, well, we do this, we do that, we, we, we help these folks, we help those folks. Uh, it confuses the message. There are millions of messages going out every day that we're being bombarded with. So if a message from an organization comes across in three or four different ways, how are we even to be able to focus on that? And you know, it takes, what, a minimum seven times for somebody to see your name uh, to recognize it, to see your message and recognize it. So unless they see that same message seven times, maybe in a slightly altered way, but still the same consistent message, 
the chances of traction are, are slim to none. I got to think about that. Hmm. What do you think, Russ? Well, in terms of income, people, if people are spending money, they're going to want to know, what am I getting back for this? And uh, how important is it to show a return and on, on generating income? And is there a typical amount for uh, nonprofits in terms of looking at return on investment with those dollars that they invest? Well, I, I think what you do is is you do look at that five to 15% of your annual revenue as a baseline, maybe to say, okay, this is where we're gonna start. What happens, I think a lot of times in nonprofits is they, they base their marketing revenue on those numbers uh, and if the numbers go down, so do their marketing efforts. Uh, where I believe is that you need to be consistent and strong and you have to have a budget set aside. It's not overhead to me uh, and, and really isn't considered an overhead expense like executive salaries and rent and, and those kind of things. Uh, it, is, it is an expense that helps to generate revenue. So if revenues start to decline and you cut way back on your marketing dollars, well, you might as well just expect that those numbers continue to decline. Uh, whereas I think good marketers and executives who understand the value of, of effective marketing are more apt to say, okay, let's put in a substantial and, and usable amount of revenue into our marketing efforts. And if we continue to do that and our message continues to be strong and delivered across the right platforms, we're going to grow our revenue. We're going to grow our support. We're going to get the things that we need to get. I saw, some, I saw some evidence that, Russ, that's a good question, um, during the, the last so-called recession, that businesses cut way back on their marketing budgets, but the few that didn't kept market share and actually increased market share during that recession. I'm sorry, Russ, I inter uh, inter interrupted you there. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, you just in what your reply there, you, you hit on the magic, uh, what I call dirty buzzword, and that's overhead. And people are in the frame of mind that anything that you spend beyond the actual delivery of those services is overhead. And that you've got to put the squeeze on that. You can't have a bunch of overhead. But uh, marketing and PR is, is important. When the corporation goes out and spends money on that, they applaud them. They go out and hire superstar marketing people and superstar executives to run the organization. They pay them good salaries, but they draw in huge amounts of money. And nobody ever questions that because they can see that value. But when a, a nonprofit or a social profit tries to do that, it becomes taboo. And so it, it leads to what they call the overhead myth. I don't think that doing this is, is uh, that marketing and PR, among other things, and fundraising are bad ways to spend that money. You have to ha have a good infrastructure to have a good, uh, solid program. So when it comes to, to marketing and PR with nonprofits, uh, what are the biggest challenges that you see nonprofits having when it comes to actually taking it up, doing it, uh, and doing it well? The, the thing I see is the 
lack of knowledge, the lack of experience to do that job. Oftentimes, uh, a lot of nonprofits will say, you know, you're the receptionist today and this afternoon you're going to be our chief marketing officer. Uh, <laughs> with very, very little knowledge of what is what it entails. You know, this is a this is a profession. This is something that you know people go to school for to get educated, and and some of us have spend you know many hours a week, let alone throughout the year, you know, honing our skills, growing our education uh, to do that. So that's one of the things that is, and and not understanding the available vehicles to use for marketing. Uh, you know, there are there are so many, but they have to be selectively chosen based on the type of audience that you have, the, uh, the type of response that you want to get, and also the basically the, the areas that you, you want to focus focus your attentions on. So it's it's one of those things where so often I, I see and people have I just sat down with with some folks in the last couple of weeks and and they said well you know we want to really market our our agency we want to market our organization um, I said what's your budget they said we don't have one <laughs> I said well good luck because you know as, as much as you can get something you know you can get free press donated. Media is great about, you know, supporting causes, local newspapers, publications, digital, digital sites that will, will do that. But you've still got to pay for things like Facebook advertising, social media advertising. You have to pay for websites and, and the development and the maintenance of those. Uh, there, there are costs to the, the things that you print and the, and your direct mail costs. Uh, you know, if everybody, would give it away it's wonderful but i also am, am reminded that you get what you pay for you know so if you say well we're going to get something free from these people well they'll get it to you when they can get it to you you know they may not be there they're not probably as deeply invested as somebody who you paid even if it's a if it's a modicum of of money to at least value their services their expertise and so, you know, that's kind of where I try to push people to understand, you know, spend a little money, you can make a lot of money. Well, it's, it's not really a cost, it's an investment. Yes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So going back to Russ's question about ROI, um, and, and we got um, the old, and there's another word that comes up here, advertising. So is advertising part of marketing? Yes. Yes, advertising is the is one of the vehicles you use to market. So if you're going to spend money on advertising, that's part of your marketing budget. It comes out of there. Return on investment, that is that's something that you want to set up with the organization. I think that's part of the, the goal setting uh, strategy for any organization is, okay, what are the revenue or, or support goals that we want to have this year? And then back those numbers out and, and say, okay, you know, we, we believe that we're going to, you know, raise $3 million this year. And so we're going to spend 300,000 of that in marketing and PR services and, and software and vehicles and, you know, and print and digital and creative costs and those kind of things. Um, and, you know, it's very clear in an organization that's got a track record can easily look, at their data 
and say, okay, you know, we spent uh, we spent this amount of money on Facebook this year, and that got us the best return on our investment. Uh, we went over to uh, you know Instagram, or we went over to YouTube, and those didn't necessarily perform as well. So we'll allocate our resources where they work best. And there are so many tools out there right now to be able to gauge what your efforts are doing. And they're very measurable. In fact, we rely on them now. We can't just walk into a, a client and say, hey, we got an ad or we got the article in the paper and you know it's got a circulation of 200,000 and we multiply that by 1.5 and that's your, you know, your average viewer. Uh, no, now we can actually measure who sees the ad, who sees it, who responds to it, who interacts with it, and we can trace them all the way from initial interest through that final check being written or that volunteer sign-up being taken care of. That's really good. That's really good. Um, <clears throat> one of our sponsors at CenterVision <clears throat> is the company that prints our magazine, Nonprofit Professional Performance Magazine. Uh, it's Word Sprint, like in running Word Sprint. And Bill Gilmer, was on, he's been on this show and he's been on the panel that we had on PR um, a while back. But his, his research is in the area of direct mail because he's a print house and a mail house. And his statistics are very profound that when people get something in their hand and his research says it's 30% the message, 30% the person, and 30% a regular rhythm, and only 10% the appearance. And he's got years and years of documentation that the, the donations not only remain consistent with the donors, but they go up because people understand the impact of their money, the return, return on life, ROL. Um, so their return on their investment is return on people's life, the impact. He calls that top of mind marketing. What does that term mean to you? And he backs it up, by the way, with an email. By the way, Joe, you just got a magazine yesterday. Did you look on page four? He said that doubles the open rate. And um, his research, almost without exception, is that the donors remain engaged and they remain donors because we've done more than ask for money. We've told them the impact of the work. So it's got to be, that's part of your message in PR and marketing. But Go back to top of mind marketing, and are there other ways besides this really valuable way? That's wordsprint.com. I'll get in the sponsor's URL. For more information, you can go there. So, Geo, top of mind marketing, what is that, and what are other ways that you could do that? Well, Hugh, actually, you, you mentioned one of the, the key things. People say, well, direct mail print advertising is dead. It is not. It is still one of the most effective ways to communicate, and especially in the fundraising side and charitable organizations, because everybody has to go to their mailbox. Mail arrives every day, and they look at that mail. And when that mail is there and it catches their eye, it's more likely to stay on the, stay on the counter or on the table. It's whereas our digital information that we share uh, comes and goes in the blink of an eye. So unless you're consistently putting that message out across the uh, platforms that are available, they're great and they do an enormously good job of getting people to pay attention. But again, it's fleeting. And so I am a big believer, especially in, in getting messages across that people will read the direct mail. 
they'll look at it, they'll they'll remember it. Uh, it's it's that visual imprint, and so it is great. It, it's what I always look at is is a mix of marketing materials and and methods in order to get the point across and to reinforce it. So if you see it in the mail and the next thing you know, you've got it on your website or you're looking through Facebook or one of your other social media sites and you see that message repeated again, again, it goes back to that seven times, you know, how many times do you see it before it finally clicks and you're able to, uh, you, you say to yourself, that's an organization I want to support. And you're absolutely right on sharing the value of their investment. What does that return to them? And you can do that visually so much more easily um, in any way, shape, or form when you've got it right there in front of you, when you've got pictures and stories and words that, that really convey that mission and vision. So I'm going to toss it to Russ. He's the one that asked the really hard questions. <laughs> so your, um, Russ's area, one of his areas of brilliance is, is helping uh, charities think about their funding options. How do they get funded? So Russ, related to what he was just bringing up and what we've been talking about, there's a relationship um, to getting more donors, keeping donors, raising donations um, through what we're talking about. Let me toss it to you for some some comments and questions, if you will. Well, one of the things, and I think this is part of what comes in when it comes to the fear of how much you're going to spend, because there's so many different channels out there that people are confused about which ones to use. And the answer to that is it really depends on where your audience is, you know. Guys uh, my age, well, they like getting stuff in the mail. They can, they can hold on to it. But if you're reaching out to younger people, they may be in social media. Uh, they may be on, on websites. They could be anywhere. And so I think if you, if, you, if you tailor the channel to where your donors are coming from, you meet them where they are. And so it, it takes a little bit of homework to, to figure that out. But at that point, you can really target your dollars to where you want them to go. And so that's that's where people get overwhelmed. And I, I think they should be working from their strengths uh, and whatever works best. Uh, you know, that may be direct mail and Facebook for some uh, organizations. It may be Instagram and email if they've got a younger audience. So talk a little bit about how, how you uh, gauge that and how you help um, uh, nonprofits kind of figure out what the best mediums are for them. Well, there, there is a lot of data out there on the demographics of every person on earth right now. <laughs> and it's, uh, you know, I, I like to say that, that with the analytics and the data we have, we know what coffee you drink, when you wake up in the morning, what color pajamas you're wearing, and what car you're going to drive to work. And it's all there because, A, we've become a very sharing society that we basically give it away. Um, and let people know who we are, what we do, what we like, and what we don't like. Uh, you know, there was a, you were asking about, you know, what, what works. There's a, a 2016 Content Marketing Institute report on the nonprofits uh, in America. And believe it or not, in-person events are still the largest and most effective way for nonprofits to get their message across and to gain supporters. 
that personal live one-on-one touch and feel uh, that people have in, in a personal interaction is still the most important. It's followed by illustrations and photos, uh, e-newsletters, videos, social media content, uh, interestingly ranks fifth out of those most effective tactics. Um, and then followed up by case studies and those kind of things, you know, a lot of data and information that kind of the backbone, background information that people are looking for. So it really is, uh, it's imperative that you have someone who understands how to read demographics, how to interpret those, and be able to take those and say, okay, our group from 35 to 54 is mainly on this type of media or reads this type of publication or attends these functions. All of those have to be wrapped up. You have to get a real good understanding of who your audience is. And that's the only way that you're going to effectively market and spend your money. Because again, you can throw that wide net out. You can put an ad in a newspaper and it may have a 200,000 circulation but only less than 1% of those people could be target audiences for you. So you've just basically wasted, you know, 99% of your budget right there to reach the 1% that is actually going to care. And there is a lot of data out there. It's really easy to get lost in the weeds. So what would you say are the most effective marketing strategies organizations can use to grow their share of that donor base or other supporters like volunteers or board members, advisors? Understand your market. Know what appeals to them. Know what, what their hot buttons are. You know, where do they have their most care? Uh, you know, in business, we talk about the citizen brand where you create culture and a mission and a vision that reflects your audience and that's really becoming a an interesting thing to follow in the way that all organizations are operating is to say to their people what's important to you that's important to us and it really helps to create a stronger bond because people uh, today want to know what's in it for me how are how are you going to make my world better through your work, and even in a charitable, organ charitable organization, they're still saying that, you know? How are you going to uh, save the animals or save the rainforest, or, or how are you gonna protect uh, abused and neglected children? Uh, what is your culture going to do that's going to get me to wanna write that check or volunteer my time and efforts? And those are brilliant reasons for reaching out repeatedly because you don't have to always have an ask. You can ask questions and find out what's important to them. And you can take that language and recycle it and return it back to them in their solution. Exactly. You know, the, the, the three important things to do when you're communicating, especially in, in, if you want to call it the public relations realm, is to inform, educate, and entertain. And you're able to do all of those things, even in a charitable, with a charitable organization, because you inform them of your mission, you educate them and show them what the results are of their support. And it's okay to entertain too, because not every message has to be, you know, this is, uh, the, we're in a terrible situation. Our clients are, are destitute, our, our, 
planet is falling apart, whatever that may be. It's also okay to take a lighter side, show how the organization reaches out in the community, show what some of the folks do in their daily lives, show some behind the scenes uh, of what the organization does in its daily work. Um, and, and create that, again, you want to create that personal feeling. You want the person who you're targeting to feel like, hey, those are the same people that I am, and I, I want to be with them. And so all three of those, uh, if, they're, if they're done properly and in, in the right uh, percentages, uh, you, you have an extremely effective message platform and works. Ooh, live videos from your events where you see oh, everybody yeah. dancing, partying, having a good time. What could be more fun? People would say, hey, man, I want to go to the next party, these guys. Absolutely. Video is, I mean, hands down, is the most uh, important thing that, that people see nowadays, and it has the, the largest effect. You know, we have a, as I'm sure is well known, we have the attention span less than a goldfish now of, less than eight seconds um, so text doesn't do it photos are okay but you know you put something on video and uh, and that's why Instagram is, is growing and Facebook is such a huge volume why Facebook live now is really the go-to uh, platform for people to put their messages out there and, and all the video capabilities that Facebook and YouTube and Vimeo and, and all these different platforms have because they've realized the importance that video has in, in marketing and public relations efforts. So um, there's a lot of dynamics that come to mind. Russ, we've interviewed uh, several people on this topic, but it's like the, um, the British composer conductor, Ralph Vaughan Williams said, music did not reveal all of its secrets to just one person. So we could take marketing PR and put in, substitute that word in there. So we're, I'm hearing some different things. What about you, Russ, that we've heard in the past? Oh, the, the, every time I talk to somebody about this, I learn new stuff. And it's so it, there's a lot to grasp. There's a lot of approaches. And like anything else, different people resonate with different people at a different level. Well, and, so, yeah. <laughs> and there's so much, yeah, I'm sorry, I interrupted. There's so much uh, to cover. We can't just cover it in one podcast. So, um, Gio, I'm, uh, either I didn't pay attention before I'm learning some new stuff. The other people had really, really valuable stuff. So you're not contradicting them. You're just kind of filling in some of the cracks when we don't have time to deal with it. There's another dynamic here, and, and Russ asked er, earlier, how do we measure the effectiveness of your campaign? I had somebody we're talking about, um, I wanted to introduce him to Bill Gilmer for this direct mail piece, which he's so successful at, at WordSprint. And um, they said, oh, you know, I tried that last year and it didn't work. And so, so I said, so you went to the gym one day and that didn't work either. <laughs> so I stole that from Bill. <laughs> so there's, there's um, and Bill says flat out, you got to do this for two years four times a year in order to see tangible results. And so we get in there, we want to see uh, success overnight. And that's really not, not reasonable, is it? No, it, it isn't. Uh, when, when we sit down and sit down with a client, I tell them it's going to take us six months to be able to honestly make an impact in what we're going to be doing for you. We need six months minimum a year is what we really like.
because those efforts are going to take time to, to gather steam. Developing and distributing content takes time to get it out there, to use it in all its various forms. And so we are very clear. We can measure on a daily, weekly basis everything that you want to know. We can tell you what's happening, but we can't tell trends until we're able to see some data come in. Um, I just started with a client and they said, you know, we're, we're doing Google AdWords and we're going to, you know, and I, and I think we're going to have a great, can you tell us what we're going to be doing, you know, as we go every week or so? I'm like, well, yeah, we can, but, you know, we're going to be testing various messages. We're going to see, you know, A-B testing is what we call it. And we're going to find out if that message resonated or if we changed a few phrases, that one worked better. And then we're going to work on that and test another one. And so eventually you get, after a while, you've got the, you've got the data to back up and say, okay, these keywords work. These key phrases are, are what's getting people's attention and causing them to react and take action. And so it is, uh, anybody who wants it overnight is not going to get it. And you, you really need to understand that uh, because otherwise you're just spinning your wheels. You'll throw money at the next thing the next day. If one doesn't work, well, let's put money here. Let's, well, no, let's, let's refine what we're doing here because this is the platform that our audience is on. So let's make sure we work and create the messaging that's going to be effective. So you, you've spoken about live events. as a, That's a platform. Mm-hmm. You've spoken about direct mail. That's a platform. So speak about some of the choices for platforms uh, on, the, on digital marketing. Uh, digital is, is like the wild, wild west. <laughs> it is, there are over, right now, there are about 242 social media, over 250 social media sites, and those don't include the dating sites. So just in social media alone, you have a plethora and those are general social media, industry-specific, intra-specific, all kinds of platforms. Right now, uh, the types of digital platforms that nonprofits and charitable organizations are using uh, and that have the most effect is Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, LinkedIn, Instagram, Google+, and Pinterest in descending order. So those are the, the platforms that are available in a social media sense. You also have your website, which should be the hub of all of your marketing materials. All of your social media should direct back to your website, and that has to be a very dynamic and fluid piece of work that is easy to navigate, easy to understand, clearly defines and, and describes the messaging, benefits, features, all of those things that that any business and organization is going to want to put in front of folks. Um, it really, and then you've got your digital platforms, your, your blogs and, and digital publications and, and those areas where you can, you know, use your message to get out articles, white papers. Uh, you can place ads within most digital publications that are attuned to your audience. So, they're all out there right now, and, and as I said, the best thing about it is that you can really focus your marketing dollars where it's going to be best and where you're going to get the greatest return because the data on each of those platforms is very clear, and, and you don't have to guess about what's going to, to happen once you're, once you're there as long as you understand that it's 
the place that you're supposed to be. I, when I work with um, charities of all kinds, um, I suggest they have someone internal that's got the communications hat on. So when, when they, they hire a person like you to build out their marketing campaign or Bill to do their donor management correspondence, um, there needs to be somebody that's focused on bringing in all the data to one point so somebody like you can be more effective in helping the organization. I find that so many people working in, in charities that are underfunded, they're overworked and they're stretched. So mm -hmm. imagine without the right data, um, you can't be fully effective, can you? No, no, not at all. And, and nor, nor would you expect to be. I wouldn't want to walk in and, and be thrown into a situation where I wasn't availed the, the data if I didn't, or, or, or the tools to get that data. Uh, and, and again, like we said, you know, you're the receptionist in the morning and you're the marketing person in the afternoon. That's, that's, I consider that a waste of money. You might as well just, you know, you might as well just write me a nice check and let me go play golf. Uh, because that's about what you're going to get out of that person. And it's nothing against them. It's just that they don't know how to do it. Um, so, and we come in, when, when my firm comes in and works with a nonprofit, I not only bring myself, but I bring a team of folks. I've got the web designers, the writers, the social media experts, the, the AdWords experts, uh, the folks, the, the graphic designers, whatever that organization is going to need. I'm able to put the team together and, and only for what they're going to need. So I'm not keeping a full staff and having to pay salaries, you know, for people who aren't working on that particular project, but have to, you know, keep the company running, uh, which I believe helps the nonprofits out because they get exactly what they need. It's a, it's on time, right time, right service. And that's what I think makes a difference. And we're able to, you know, we get in there and, and it's, I always look at it as a partnership, business or, or charitable organization. You know, it's, I call it Roper and Partners. And it's not only for the partners I work with to produce, but it's the folks that I work with because I want to be their partners in marketing and public relations and be a part of their success and help them to reach their goals. And so when I'm doing that, I'm as intimately involved in their organization as they are. I learn everything I can about it. I get data, I get history, I get nuances and rumors and innuendos, <laughs> anything else they want to share that can help me to better understand how they operate so that I can help them do what they really want to do, and that is grow, succeed, and serve their communities. So, Russ, we're headed in the last part of our interview. I'm going to toss it back to you for some comments or questions, if you will. Well, one thing that came to mind is that you do have a lot of these smaller shops that uh, don't have the staffing or the funding. So what kind of, of tools could someone like you or I give to an organization that's in this situation that would empower them enough to gather enough information that you would actually be helpful to them? There are a lot of uh, free and very uh, inexpensive software platforms that you can use for data analysis, data gathering. Um, you know, Google Analytics is, is top number one. I mean, you can go to your website and once you've set up your, your analytics codes, you can see exactly what kind of traffic you're getting to your website, where it's coming from, how long they're there, what pages they visit. 
Um, so you can determine your strengths in messaging. Uh, Facebook Insights is another one where uh, if you're putting out, uh, you're doing Facebook campaigns, paid campaigns, you're getting data back on the users. Uh, there's plenty of remarketing and, and other tools that Facebook has that, that don't cost you anything. It's just the cost you're paying for placing your ads. Um, and then a, a customer relationship management software program, I think is critical for every organization, especially when you're talking about data and analytics. A uh, couple of them that are, are great that I've, I've used is HubSpot has one that's actually a free version of it. It's not as robust as their, as their full system, but it allows you to be able to uh, capture names and email addresses uh, and then also to share that with your email system like MailChimp or Constant Contact. Uh, you've also got uh, CRMs like Salesforce, uh, ClickFunnels, Zoho. These are all, uh, they do, uh, all of them have a cost to that. Again, that is what you've got to consider when you're putting your budget together for marketing, the software platforms that you're going to use to analyze your data. Um, and so, you know, you've got, you've got to keep all of these things in check and in mind though, and find the one that's gonna work best for you. Uh, there are a ton of, of, a, um, of fundraising management tools that are online uh, that can help you out. Uh, Salesforce, Razor's Edge, Donor Perfect, Menu Clicks. Um, I like Salsa. It's a, it's a really robust system that is fairly inexpensive, but it gives you the opportunity to manage your donors online, manage your messaging to them, uh, a couple of free ones that uh, I've seen that work. I, I have not tried them yet. A donor manager, metrics, donor box, and Civic RM. Those are all free. They uh, they have different capabilities, but those are you know you go online and you can pull up a, a web search and just say you know free fundraising software, and you'll get a list of all those that are. And there's a lot of great resources that actually compare them and show the pluses and minuses. One of the things that comes to mind when it, because there are a lot of it is software driven. So if you're a nonprofit 501c3 charity, you can go register on the tech soup, tech TCH soup <laughs> platform, and you can get licenses for commercial software at a reduced rate. So mm -hmm. uh, that's, that's an important thing for nonprofits to do because you can spend a ton of money oh. on the software. <laughs> hundreds of thousands of dollars and companies do i mean but again you know they're they're bringing in millions and millions of dollars and that software is their lifeblood it's it's critical now you can't you can't do business without knowing where your information is coming from and where your customers are coming from amazing amazing there's a lot of, a lot to know about this topic so uh I, I think we're gonna we're gonna wrap up here and at geo this is just um we've covered um, a lot of the topics that we had thought about covering. Is there an area that we haven't asked you about that you want to give us a little data on before we do a wrap? Uh, you know, one of the things that, that we work on and, and as we're working with clients, we're like, okay, what's important to you? And the results are, are interesting. And this, this comes back to, and I have to agree with the, what happened with the uh, Content Marketing Institute survey in, in 2016, was engagement, brand awareness, and developing client loyalty are the top three things 
that content marketing and marketing efforts are going to, to do or the goal of those for an organization. Um, they want to get their, their, their base engaged. They want to raise that brand awareness. And then they want those folks to take that action, to join that organization, to be there not just for that one check, but to be there for five, 10 years down the road. And so, you know, really look at when you're setting up your PR marketing efforts, make sure you've established some very clear goals as to what you want to achieve from them. Uh, you know, getting your name out is great, but what happens when you do that? What then do you want to happen? How do you want, actually in, in sequence, how do you want your efforts to, to move forward? And so if you start with the brand exposure, how do you then make sure that that becomes an engagement effort? And then how does that translate to getting the folks to say, you know what, I'm gonna go find out more about that organization and then finally to write the check or, or sign up to, to help out. That's awesome. That sounds like a good uh, summary statement. What do you think, Russ? It's absolutely. It's what do we want people to know, what do we want them to feel, and what do we want them to do? Uh, and it just, it just comes back in so many ways, but that can't be overemphasized because that's, that's the whole kit and caboodle. If you're, if you're not there, you'll never reach the people you want to get to. Never. Never. And it's it's easy to miss them if you don't know what you're looking for. We will we will reference these in the transcription for this inter interview. Uh, GL Rupert Rupert and Partners is your company. Thank you for sharing this information. I've learned a lot today, and uh, Russ, it's given me some ideas for us to move Center Vision in another direction. Well, I think that there's a lot of information that people need so that they can be good clients and and. There's a, there's a bit of an art and science in the pro bono. And like Gio pointed out, it's not for something you need yesterday. And so you have to be clear on what it is that you want out of that engagement. And then even as a pro bono client, you have to in some ways behave like a, a paying client. That's a whole nother discussion. But, but Gio, Thanks for all the brilliant information you provided. There's so much, so much out there to take into consideration. But the main thought I want to leave people with is that you can't afford not to talk about what you're doing. If you can do the best work in the world, if nobody knows about it, nobody sends you a check. Nope, no, they do not. So if you know of any nonprofits that need some help in PR marketing, Give me a call. I can help out. And you'll give them a free consultation, won't you? Oh, absolutely. Consultation is free. The work isn't. We'll put, we'll put your link in the, in the notes uh, for your website and for your email. Thank you. Gio Rupert, thank you so much. Thank you, Hugh. Thank you, Russ. I appreciate it. It's great to be here. Thank you. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.